welcome to Shelf Esteem, the podcast where I talk with interesting people about books that they're interested in. I have two wonderful guests on today's episode, two women whose names and voices no doubt you know, probably from the world of theater. They are writers, actors, comedians, and so much more. Bernie Stapleton and Amy House join me in studio for a wonderful and wide-ranging conversation about books and theater and life as women of a certain age. And as always, I started off by asking them what they've been reading lately, and Bernie was ready with an answer. Well, I I was saying to Amy that this is not exactly an answer to your question. That's but, okay. <laughs> okay, uh, that I was really excited to come and do this because uh, when I, I read two writers when I was sort of formulating, which I'm still trying to do my identity as a writer, mm -hmm. and one of them was Bernice Morgan and one of them was you. Oh. <laughs> Thank you is, so much. You're welcome. And so um, By the Rivers of Brooklyn was a really amazing experience for me because I felt that I had the same feeling when I read the book that I did when I was younger and I watched... Uh, the Wonderful Grand Band on TV. Yes. It was like the first I could identify and think, oh, we can be on TV. And even yes. though I was much older when I read your book and also when I read Bernice's book, Random Passage, it was really the first time I strongly identified with another woman and I thought somebody's been in my head. Mm. Um, but also, I love the way that you represent the 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 Newfoundlanders away, the Newfoundlanders in the States, and that you wrote about things that I know a lot of families would go, we can't be writing about that. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that grew out for me so much out of out of hearing my family stories of it. I think, you know, as I've gone around and talked to people in book clubs and stuff, every Newfoundland family has the stories of the people who went away and the ones who stayed behind. You know, I think that's that's such a common thread. So it was it was great to write about it. And it's great to hear that it connected with, you know, with, with readers because that's yeah. what you hope for. Yeah. So I had bought it when it was originally published. And then last year mm -hmm. I was in... Uh, afterwards, right. and found a copy which was when I wrote you. Uh huh. Yes. And yes, said, yes, I want you to know how much I love your book. And I didn't even know you then. So That's right. I want yeah, to say thank you for writing this beautiful book. Thank you so much. That is so I'll have to put that one on my list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, what I'm reading right now is actually two books, funnily enough, because I was reading. Um, uh, Alice Munro's short stories and then oh, I was right. going to go to Toronto and visit my uh, my daughter and I wanted to take a novel because when I'm traveling is when I find the the best time for me to read. Oh yeah. Like um, I was very apprehensive about coming to do this interview because okay. I don't consider myself very well read or much of a reader because when I was a kid I don't know. I don't know if I had ADD or what, but I didn't sit down and read. I used yeah. to even phone my girlfriend, Didi Costello, and mm -hmm. ask her to explain to me what the novel was that we were supposed to read. And, right. Like, I just couldn't commit to it, uh -huh. you know? Um, but I always surrounded myself, for some reason, with people who read, like, devour books, like Bernie, uh -huh. my best friend growing up. Uh, Ursula McCarthy was her maiden name. She she read all the time. Right. Like why I couldn't 
really take to it. I don't know. Uh-huh. I love reading, uh, but it takes a lot of effort for me to sit yeah. down and and not go do the dishes or sweep the floor or yeah. do something else or go for a walk uh-huh. or you know what I mean. It's yeah. so so. But then when Bernie asked me to do this, I thought oh, you know I probably am not the right person. <laughs> but um, but then I sat down and made a list of the books that I've been reading lately, uh-huh. and I and so I do read. You realize you I just are in reading. my yeah. mind. And I feel like I'm not as well read as everybody else, right? It's really interesting to me in doing this and talking to people how many hang-ups people have about their own reading. Like, right. I don't read books. Some people don't read books that are as literary as someone else reads. Or someone was saying uh, the other day when I was recording, I haven't read all the same books that all the rest of you read as children. You know, right. you all read these classics. Yeah, I yeah, didn't. Yeah. Or, or people saying, I haven't read the literary classics or whatever. You know, I think we're very self-critical of ourselves as readers. Yeah. I, even, I even catch myself doing that. I have people in here talking about it or just outside the podcast in real life and I'm like, oh, they've all read those books and I'm not at that level. Right. It yeah. is It is a thing, hey, yeah, you know, that you chastise yourself or yeah. I do. Anyway. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. 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 Kinda, and yeah. I was really happy when Amy agreed to come and talk about books because I think that everybody's relationship with reading is different. It is, yeah. And some people do struggle with word on the page, mm-hmm. and everybody finds their own system yeah. to find the joy in it. Yeah. And I thought it was cool that she would come and talk about that. Yeah, it's great. Um, you just mentioned Random Passage, which was the book that I loved, that yes, I read yeah. at the time, that when it first came out, mm-hmm. and that was a magnificent book. And mm-hmm. I went and got Waiting for Time mm-hmm. right after it, and I couldn't read it. It was really? like, I couldn't, I couldn't let Random Passage go yeah. and start on the other. I still haven't read Waiting it's for so Time. It's so different because it yeah. starts off in the, the modern time. Yeah. And it takes quite a while before it gets back yeah, into Yeah, yeah. And maybe that about. was it. I mean, I was saying to Bernie, I'm really attracted to books about uh, old-time Newfoundland, yeah. the isolated Newfoundland, yes. like Random Passage, like yeah. Donna Morrissey's Kids yes. Law. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading Michael Crummy's the Wreckage, Wreckage now. Oh, and, and the gold, his galore is another oh, wonderful okay, so one for that. There's yeah. another thing, galore. It's mm-hmm. on my list. I started reading galore. I got halfway through. I, lo- I was devouring that book. Uh-huh. And then I got, like, I had been working in theater. and yes, doing a, yeah. It was a lot of administration and a lot of play reading as mm-hmm. well, right? Yeah. So I got away from galore and so I I have to start it over again now because you've got to keep up with it right but that's a magnificent book for sure yeah Yeah. I love I am a person who will read the same books over and over yes which is why I will read by the rivers of Brooklyn over and over again because I find I immerse myself more deeply each time so it's like a process of rediscovery for me so when I find a book that I really love it stays on the shelf mm-hmm. and Amy knows that in my living room sometimes it, it will look like hoarders buried alive <laughs> uh, and I will call and then I'll donate a lot of books mm-hmm. all over the place but there are some that just stay on the shelf and I would say you are one of those Bernice Morgan is one of those Alice Monroe, you know, yes, like they're yeah. Margaret Outwood, like they're uh, Lisa Moore, that yes. were just their places on the shelf and they're always going to be. So others will come and go, but then mm-hmm. I have my true loves that I know I can reach for. It's uh-huh. a very comforting feeling. Do you have yeah, that relationship? Definitely, yes. There are books that I will reread over and over and over for sure. Yeah. And, and I feel like the books that are those old favorites that you go back to over and over, it's like visiting a, a, a beloved place or visiting old friends. Right. You know, it's just like, um, I, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, um, Dorothy Sayers' novel, Gaudy Night, one of the one of her Lord Peter Whimsey mysteries. 
I that's probably the book I've read most in my life mm-hmm. and I couldn't I first read it when I was 16 I could not estimate how many times I've read it but my copy is very very battered mm-hmm. and torn mm-hmm. and once every couple of years I'll just go back to it and it's just like I'm walking right into that world wow. and into the place and time of the book and greeting the characters like I mean it's a mystery and I've lo- I have a really bad memory for for mysteries so I can actually <laughs> read a mystery and pick it up again two or three years later and not remember who committed right, the crime right. but I've now read that one so many times that I remember every you can't detail. trick yourself yeah, I cannot anymore. trick myself but the pleasure of entering the world of it is is still there for me yeah. so yeah yeah definitely a big rereader too and some people aren't again you yeah know, some people don't ever reread just finish a book and move on which is okay yeah. too but, yeah. well that would be me because yeah. I got too many on the list that I have to read oh, yeah. that I you know what I mean yes another sure. book that I really loved is Come Thou Tortoise uh, Jessica, oh, Jessica Grant, Grant. Oh, yes god I loved that book I actually did an interview with her um, at the DF Cook we oh, did some did. kind of yeah. yeah and her and a couple of other writers it was a film writer and anyway so I got to talk to her about the book but the language and the yes. way she played with language in that yes. book was so amazing and that too was very vivid even even the way she played with those words mm-hmm. it was so childlike but the but the um, the the subject matter everything she talked about was so profound yes. but it was almost like from a, a really smart little girl's yeah. point of view yeah because right? the, the character has that sort of limited understanding yes. like she's wise but not necessarily smart. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah. That was that's funny. That was a book I did not expect to like. Right. Like I thought from everything I'd heard about it. Oh, this is going to be so gimmicky with yeah. the tortoise and everything, and it's going to be kind of a show-offy book that I'm not going to really enjoy. And then when I got, I was just sucked into it. Was, you know, it's yeah. interesting because I remember reading. Uh, somebody wrote. I don't know if I read it online or whatever, but said that the cover of that book didn't serve it. Hmm. And That's maybe that was why you felt Could that be, way. Who probably, knows, yeah, right? Yeah. But, but because yeah, we do judge books by their covers. Yeah, yeah exactly. That to. that was a great oh, book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think another book that I'm definitely going to be lugging around with me is Little Dogs from Michael Crummy, and it's new and selected poetry. Yes, from him. yeah. And uh, I, you know, I was saying to Amy that I do revere Michael Crummy, oh, and it's yeah. probably why I will never be able to be his friend. <laughs> Because I was fortunate enough a few years ago, you know, Artistic Fraud did salvage based on his work and did a theatrical interpretation. Mm -hmm. And I did it in a couple of iterations here in St. John's. And then we actually went to salvage and did did the pieces in different rooms of the house. I'm feeling like I saw that. I think I saw that. Yeah, Yeah. maybe you did. I think I did. It was in a big house. Commissariat house. Mm -hmm. And his, I, I don't know what his magic is. I really don't have the language language for it myself. I find him so clean and enigmatic and yet with a depth of mystery about stories yes. that I find very relatable. Yeah. I just, you know, it's fantastic and if anybody hasn't read it, I highly recommend it because it has it will have like your older favorites in there, but there's mm-hmm. also new work in there. Yeah. So it's like you can have your best of yes, yeah. in one volume. And um, and I really, really like it. Okay. And sometimes he's talking from uh, through a male lens, and sometimes it's a very feminine lens, and I find that kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm never really aware of the gender of the writer when yeah. I'm reading his work. So, Michael Crummy, <laughs> I will love you from afar that was, <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> is that one shortlisted for the winter set? Yes, yes, yes. 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 
Um, yeah, I, I absolutely believe Michael is one of our greatest living writers. And yeah. The fact that he can write both poetry and fiction so well, is yeah. that's amazing to me yeah. that someone can do that. Yeah, and I don't know him very well either, but he's, he just seems like such a wonderful, genuine kind of guy. He I've is. Met him so many times, yeah. but I'm tongue-tied. Yeah. yeah, I'm exactly the same way. I, and yeah. I, but I have a feeling that if, mm. you know, Michael were to listen to this podcast, which I don't know, are you listening, Michael Carmen? Um, I think he would be amazed that we are tongue-tied in his presence right. because yeah. I think he's a very, you know, sort of genuine, hum, very humble person. Yes. But he just carries this incredible gift. You have one of his books here, too, in your stack. Right? Wreckage. Wreckage. Yeah, I'm in the middle of that one. I am going to finish that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to start Galore. Um, no, Galore will be some of my summer reading yes. again, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's it it takes place in old Outport, Newfoundland. Yes. And, and, of course, they come into St. John's and... But it's that, you know, when I was growing up, um, we lived in Stephenville, but my parents came from the Northern Peninsula, Port Saunders, and I used to go up there every weekend, every long weekend, every summer. I spent my whole summer up there, so I have a real affinity for Outport, Newfoundland, and that small town place that... Uh, you know, it, it's just something that uh, that's really dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm drawn to books like that oh, yeah. too. I think yeah. the identification of and like I bring up again Kitzla uh, Donna Morrissey's yes. book that was so amazing. Like, and it seems like I picture a lot of them in Port Saunders. That's mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we were just talking about a tidy package with Donna Butt, which is a play that Bernie and I wrote years ago, right. and. Uh, and I believe when both of us were writing it, and I had, you know, you have co-writers, you have visions of what you're doing and putting on the paper in your mind. Yes. And for me, it was Port Saunders. I believe it was, like, was it Buren and Marystown for you when you were writing yeah. that? Yes, yeah. It so it's it stays with you, yeah. you know, that... Yeah outport life is very different oh yeah and i think yeah i think we all root things in the places that we know whether yeah. it's the places that we come from or the places that we've lived or you know yeah i've just been writing uh well i've been writing a while back because it's coming out now later in this year um but a story that's very rooted in this neighborhood in rabbit town in the center right. of st john's What's which it is where it's going to be called most anything you please oh, wow. which is from the song old brown's daughter about right. the store because it's about a family who owns a corner store in rabbit town yeah and I, you know, I we didn't own a corner store, but I shopped a lot of them as a child. But this neighborhood, like, I feel so rooted here. And right. This oh, is... I love that. I can't wait. Yeah. Did you grow up here? There? I did. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in the house next door to this one. My aunt wow. used to own that house. And then when my husband and I got married, we bought this house right cool. next to it. And so this is, I'm, I'm hardcore rabbit townie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're a rabbit townie. I am. So am I. Townie. Are you? Yes. Are you? Okay, where yeah. did you go? No, I, I just mean that just I've so lived live here long enough yeah. to qualify. Yeah. I was born in Labrador, oh, and okay. I grew up on the Buren Peninsula, so mm-hmm. we. Ha- I have a joke that I say it gives me dual citizenship status. Yes, yeah. And so, but I feel I really claimed St. John's yes. for myself, and, uh, you know... Uh, I think that, um, you know, I tour a lot in Newfoundland and Labrador, and I'm always very much aware when I go into a community if there is or is not a bookstore. Mm, And, you know, when you're traveling on tour, like with Review Tour with Rising Tide, you know, the first thing we like to do is their bookstore is their second-hand bookstore, which is really important now in this economy and with the new book tax and stuff like that. Oh, for sure, yeah. And and bookstores are, you know, I I feel bad about this because I read a lot of e-books just because I read so many and I find it very inconvenient to have books on my iPad but at the same time 
I hate that bookstores are shrinking. I can remember, well, of course, growing up in town, we had it much better than out around the bay. But, you know, we had Dick's and then the, when yeah. the chains came in, there was a chapter, not chapters, but there was Coles and there was a W.H. Smith. You know, I can remember when there right. were two All bookstores kinds. in the mall. You yeah. know, there was so much choice. And there used and to be, really I think, and three Amazon. Yes, there were a lot of secondhand yeah. bookstores. Yeah. Now, yeah. there's a new one, and I hope it's still open. On Duckworth. And Elaine's it's up on Duckworth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I yeah, hope she does. Oh, I hope she makes a go of it. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. People like her and, and Matt have broken books. Like, anybody yeah. who opens a bookstore in this economy, it's like, you go, go. girl yeah. or boy or whatever. Yeah. Like, go good yeah. for you. So yeah. I wish them all the best. Yeah. This is another book that I tell you, Catherine Banks gave me this book years and years ago. It's fan- did I did I lend you this to read? I don't think so. It's Gillian White's Mother Time. Okay, I've never it's, heard of it. Yeah, and uh, I don't know why Catherine gave it to me, <laughs> but she did. And Catherine is a um, Governor General Award winning playwright, uh-huh. and she gave me that book years ago. And um, it's an amazing story. It starts out with this woman who is totally abusive. She's a drug addict and an alcoholic, and she's raising kids. And mm-hmm. so they end up locking her in a room like this, actually, in the basement. Oh, my goodness. And But the transformation that comes to her and the... It's just an amazing story of a family that you just, you can't believe where it goes. That sounds fascinating. Even the back cover blurb Yeah, yeah. It's a great book I would recommend for sure. You can borrow it if you like and pass it it around and send it back. Oh, it has. Okay, I have to, like, it has a great opening sentence. I'm (laughs) such a fan of opening sentences. Okay. They took Mother Prisoner at half past two on Christmas Day morning. Yeah. Like, that is a great opening sentence. Yeah. It so Beautiful. makes you want to read it's, the rest it of the really, book. It really, that yeah. book, it gives me chills now when I think, and, and like you, I can't remember, uh, uh, you know, how it ends and yeah. everything. I remember her husband coming back in the scene, and it was many years ago, but it really had a big impact on me, and it was one of those books that I just read right through. Oh, right, yeah. You know? Fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, Jean Rees, R-H-Y-S. Yes, I always, that one of the authors whose names I hesitate to say out loud mm-hmm. because I never know whether I'm saying it right I'm or saying not. it out loud, Jean Rees. So, um, uh, some years ago now, I was sitting at home one night in the days of just landline, no cell phone, that's how long ago it was, and I got a call from Janice Spence and Mercedes Berry, okay. who were, at that time, really strong-willed, iconic, powerful women in theater. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid of both of them. (laughs) Not only because there was sort of like, uh, they were older, but they were really established in that they had both like powered their way through collective theater and formative formative theater years Mm -hmm. in St. John's. But they called me up and they wanted to do an adaptation of Jean Reese's work. And Jean herself, Jean wrote, uh, she was British and she lived through the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and she always wrote about fairly tragic women who were really trying to make their way in a very masculine world, and often were very ill done by by men. Um, uh, Wide Sargasso Sea is probably one of the ones that's most well-known. Yes, that's the one of hers that I've read. Yeah, Yeah. After Leaving Mr. McKenzie is absolutely Mm. beautiful. All all of her stories are fairly tight, Uh but they're all very poetic. And so, for me, I had these two very strong, temperamental, uh, downtown theater people 
turning me on to this most elegant of sad, sad uh, storytellers. And sort of the reason, these are the books that also occupy a place in my heart and bookshelf, the bookshelf being my heart, uh, <laughs> that um, that they, even though we talked about it over the years, you know, they were both taken too soon right. and died before they could realize mm. their vision yeah. for the project. Yeah. And... One of the things that Amy and I were talking about is the influences of literature on theater and theater on literature and yes, vice versa yeah. and how this was something, you know, that I've always held on to, whether as an idea. But as writing, again, I think it's it's kind of as women in our society, we can still recognize some truths that unfortunately have not gone, gone away over mm-hmm. the years. Yes, yeah. Something that's yeah. universal. Um, I was just thinking about total opposite, of course, with Bernie and I all the time. As much as we love each other, we're total opposites, right? Um, but when I finished work at the LSPU Hall, um, I start like I'm trying to figure out who I am anymore. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so I've um, and I know I want to perform. I want to perform again. I want right. to write again. But I don't want to write what I wrote before. I want to yeah. do something new. Yeah. So I've been reading uh, like Tina Fey's and Amy Poehler oh, yeah. and Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. I love Amy Schumer. Oh, absolutely. She's so and bad. Tell yeah. Trudy about your, uh, your, your, what's your e-reader? Your Kindle? Oh, yeah. Why so you won't po- give it to your mother-in-law. Like, my mother-in-law is in, in St. Pat's home, and she doesn't read the paper anymore because she can't read the right, font. The, yeah. So my husband, I said, we should get her a Kindle. Mm-hmm. So um, so we ordered the Kindle, and I said, and if I like it, I'll get one too. So I tried to download, uh, like, the Diary of Anne Frank right, from yeah. Goodreads just to yeah. see, so I could show her to see if she would actually use it. Yeah. But I couldn't. I wasn't successful in that. But I was successful in buying Amy Schumer's book. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's called The the Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo. Yes, it's I love hilarious. that title. Yeah, and she is so like she's so forthright I guess Uh is the best way she's so honest and the reason she talks about her tattoo is because it's a bad tattoo Mm -hmm. it got all infected Mm -hmm. a part of it is raised because but she said she keeps it because it's a stupid mistake she made in her life and and her mother let her make the mistake Uh and uh, and she'll have it to remind her that she's human kind of thing embracing imperfections she's just so honest and she doesn't care what people. I mean, some of the things she says, on, on, she's hilarious. Well, what Amy had said to me was that she didn't want to give the Kindle to Mrs. James because you were afraid she was going to see the word vagina all over. Well, the face. first chapter is a letter <laughs> yes. to her vagina, yes. right? And I said, yeah. "Oh my God, I can't give this Mrs. James now because if she opens it." <laughs> So I still have the Kindle. Oh, all three of those women, Amy Schumer, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, like yeah. all, they write so well yeah, about, yeah. you know, about comedy and about being women in, yes. in comedy. and just, In that world. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then I went, uh, funny, my, my brother was here and I had to go to the store and get him some books because he was in the hospital for a while. Mm-hmm. So when I was there, Chris Rock's book was, book was there. And of course, Chris... Rock, my good friend Chris. Uh, Chris Rock directed Amy Schumer when she did her show that you saw on HBO. Where my was Night in Black Leather or my... No, the other one. Okay. It was anyway. He yeah. directed her show okay. and she was all about like, uh, you know, 
she really admired Chris Rock, mm-hmm. and she wouldn't think of it. But anyway, she met him, and then she said uh, she thought about if he if she could have anyone direct her show, it would be him. Mm-hmm. But she was afraid to ask him, and right. so she asked him anyway, and he said yes. Oh, so, good. so you never know till you right. say it out loud, mm-hmm. right? That's true. Yeah. 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 What else that people have in their book stacks? Well, whether, whether your physical book stacks or the ones in your head. Yeah. One of the Sedaris. things, yes. Long ago and far away, Mark Kripch and I were on a review tour together. Uh-huh. And he gave me this book by David Sedaris. It's called Dress Your Family in Corduroy and Denim. Yes. Uh, and, of course, David Sedaris has many great books. But it was the first time I was ever introduced to the comedic essay as storytelling mm-hmm. and to the fact that you could have... Uh, narratives that were not necessarily interconnected but yet were and it was also the first time i was really taken by someone who definitely mines the dirt on his family oh, for yeah. comedic purposes yeah. and it's really funny because at some point in later books he talks about how a lot of his family, his siblings just stopped talking to him right. because they'd be like you're going to write about this aren't you and he'd be going i'm not going to write about it yeah i'm going to write about it um so I love that, and that's, you know, uh, some of my writing has that style. It's incredibly difficult, speaking of the, the uh, comics who are writing, it's incredibly difficult to capture that humor mm. on the page. Like, yeah. saying yeah. it is one thing, but writing it down, like, it's really hard. And I, I imagine know, it must be. Because yeah. I've tried yeah. to do it. It's like, it's got to be, it's got to read really the well. The right inflections. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. And sometimes the yeah. issues with being a performer and a writer is that you're hearing it, Mm, or, yeah. you, or you think, well, if only they could hear me say it, they right. would know how brilliant exactly. it is. Exactly. Like, and maybe you feel that way, too. You hear it in your head. Yeah, but less so, I think, because I'm not a performer, mm-hmm. you know. So although um, I feel like maybe I bring a little something extra to it if I do a reading, I kind of have always expected my work to have to carry itself on right. the page. Whereas I think if you come to it from the world of performing, you're used to having your whole physical presence and voice and everything yeah, to help yeah, sell it, yeah, which yeah. you don't have with the written word. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's interesting that you say, I've been thinking, um, Alison Mora Kelly asked me to send her a copy of my, the show that I wrote, Scratch and Pull, and it, it, and I sent her, and it's in a book, actually, in the anthology of plays that Bernie had, anyway, um, and you wonder how other actors would Mm-hmm. read your work, yeah. right? I mean, it's different, I guess, in it writing is a novels yeah, and different stuff. Have you yeah. had, like, what yeah. is the difference? Like, what are you hearing when you're writing? I'm hearing mostly the voices of the characters talking in my head, mm-hmm. which I guess you probably do when you're writing a play, too. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I feel like, as a writer, I feel like my strength is dialogue, which would make you think that I would be able to write plays, yeah. but I can't. I have tried numerous times to write a play, and I realize what it is. I can hear people. I might be able to write radio plays. I can hear people talking, but I can't physically move them around the stage. I can't. Right. They would just be a bunch of talking heads. Um, Hmm. But that's uh, interesting. Yeah, but I yeah. do hear their voices. You know, yeah. like, you write because of the voices in your head. I guess. Yeah. 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 And how much of the descriptive are they giving to you? Like, are they what in the room are you seeing? Like, how do you know what? We want to know. Yeah, I don't know. It's very difficult for me because for a writer, I am not a very visual person. I'm very auditory. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I can hear the voices of the characters, but I sometimes have to go back afterwards. Like my first drafts are a lot of just dialogue and then going back afterwards and figuring out what's going on around them visually. What's the setting? What does she look like? What does he look like? What are they, what room are they in? Mm -hmm. Like that stuff I don't necessarily write down at first. That's cool. That sounds like an outline and like, so the dialogue is 
your outline and then you you pack in yeah, the stuff yeah, around it. Yeah, the other it. stuff has that's to kind really of go cool. in around it. But that's I mean, that's good. different for every writer. Yeah. Everyone's process is different. Yeah. But I mean, I'm amazed and impressed at people who write plays and drama. That That's... That's incredible yeah. to me that you can do that. Well, it's interesting because when you were talking about that, I was thinking, I guess in a novel, like it's the same thing with short stories. People say that's the hardest thing to write is a short story. Oh, yes, because you, yeah, like yeah. with Alice Monroe, packing mm. everything into yes. to a short story that could be as big as a novel, really, mm. right? So maybe a, a play is like that. It, although a play can, can take place over a, a big period of time yes. as well. But it is in one spot mm-hmm. right it's yeah. very yeah i wonder if like i'm just, when you were saying that i was wondering if most playwrights are actors but not a lot of them aren't but they maybe i don't know what draws them to write what draws playwrights to write plays if they're if, if they're, they're not, not theater people yes, right yeah, i wonder you that know? too i think that um one of uh the things that we talk about also is that reading a play mm-hmm. is really vastly different and for me it's very difficult to read a play I need yes. to hear it but I know some people really enjoy reading plays and get as much satisfaction as they do as if it were a book or prose or you know poetry yeah. or anything like That's that but for me I can't really I need to hear it yeah um yeah, I agree. It's a hard thing. And like where I worked in a development company, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the plays were in development. So right. they're not, they're still not great plays yet. So yeah. a reading a great play is easier than reading something in development because you're, there's holes in what you're reading. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a challenge to read, even to read a really good play. So mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. It's uh that's why getting around to reading a novel when you're doing like you're an artistic director and you got a stack of plays like that on yeah. your desk that you you can't really justify going away and reading a novel when you got all this reading to do yes. right yeah. you know I remember when I was little that my grandfather always read at the supper table mm-hmm. and it drove my grandmother crazy because we were always told it's bad manners <laughs> yes yeah. and then I my biggest frustration was that I couldn't I wasn't allowed to read at the supper table because I had the art down of the food traveling <laughs> into the mouth underneath the book without <laughs> anything being spilled and also yeah. I can happily drink a lot of wine when I'm reading um, you have that art mastered as well I do yeah I, I know love, I don't know. know how she remembers what she read the night before <laughs> and I love books so much like I really believe that they saved my life a lot of times you know like I, I turn to them for I'm a very solitary person yeah and you know books really are friends and companions to me I equate them with um, I equate them with something beloved that you invite into your life so mm-hmm. it's like you said earlier when you don't expect to love something or like something but then you do yes. like it's such it feels like such a gift and then you know it's such um uh, how nice then for the author who will never know <laughs> yeah. that you are loving that you their love book. them. That yeah. is true. Yeah. yeah, that is such an interesting comment, though. That books have saved your life. Like, yeah. are there are there specific books that you think, as you look back over your life, that you would? I think yes. I think when I was in high school and I was just such a misfit loner that a very dear friend of mine who has long since passed away gave me The Hobbit. Oh yeah. And Lord of the Rings and mm-hmm. Tolkien's books uh, literally did take me into another world that mm-hmm. was not 
you know, uh, that was where I felt I could fit in. Uh-huh. So my fantasy life uh, became very, very powerful as a result because even though I didn't fit in out around the bay, yeah. um, I could I could always turn to these books as a as a very troubled teenager, mm-hmm. um, and I carry that fantasy world with me as an adult. I definitely am drawn to science fiction a lot. Mm-hmm. I am a big fan of Stephen King, particularly a lot of his earlier works and his novellas. Okay. Um, uh, like uh, The Walk, Stand By Me, uh, right. you know, stuff that... Funny Hoppers. But, yeah. No. <laughs> um, that, I like his earlier works a lot better, okay. The Shining, that kind of thing. But anyway, definitely anything that represents some kind of magical alternative. When I met Bernie, I always liken it to her being six inches off the ground. Like she was like a fairy that floated around, really. Like I met her at a drama festival when we were in high school. Or anyway and she was very mysterious to me so uh-huh. i had to get in there uh-huh, you yes. know now <laughs> <laughs> so uh she didn't know she was my best friend but i told her <laughs> she did amy came to stay with me in st john's and she had like two suitcases two garbage bags a ghetto blaster boxes of moose <laughs> and rabbit i didn't know what hit me <laughs> i was living in a little apartment on parade street yeah. oh, and goodness. i moved in with her and we had some fun yeah she was gonna stay for two weeks and she stayed for two years. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's great yeah it was fabulous. Um, but I love, like, um, so, especially, like, uh, you know, I read Lisa Moore's book recently, Flannery. Oh, right, and so right. I find that books can really can save lives and bring mm. people, transcend uh, into the real world for young people. Finding yes. a way for youth. I don't care if they want to read it on their phone. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. as long as they're reading the words. And yeah. Lisa managed to capture such a relatability. I don't know if you've had... If I haven't read it yet. It's, it's in the house because my daughter got it for her birthday, but I'm going yeah. to read it. Well, it's yeah. definitely worthwhile. And, and yeah. again, I'll echo something you said earlier. Like, I didn't expect to like it so much because mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to relate to it. You yeah, know? yeah. But I did. And so that's a one... I admire people who can write well for young audiences. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I also, like um, like Tolkien, there are some stories that are so universal, even though they're incredibly complex. Yeah. And they deal with a lot of grown-up issues that mm-hmm. um, can transcend ages yeah. and time. Oh, yeah. I've definitely never outgrown Tolkien either. Mm. Yeah. I think most people who loved him when they were young still return to that, that well. Yeah. That's the book you read again. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, another book that had a huge impact on me uh, that Bernie gave me actually was the autobiography of a face which yeah. was Lucy Greeley mm-hmm. oh, oh I heard of this book years yeah, ago I don't think I actually it's read a it. fabulous that's another book I remember just reading 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 okay just, so what's yeah. it about so it's about when she was a kid and she had cancer in her jaw and she had to have her jaw removed okay. and she talked about going going through chemotherapy and everything as this mm-hmm. young child I one of the vivid, uh, and it mightn't even be a real memory, but I picture, I have in my mind, is her coming home from her last treatment. Um, and I remember them talking about the butterfly needle. I have oh. a fear of needles, but oh, yeah. but I, like, mm-hmm. so, and coming home from the last treatment in the back seat of the car. But she was totally disfigured as well. Mm-hmm. So there was, and there's a, a whole big story about her afterwards, too, because she ended up becoming 
addicted to Oxycontin and heroin, heroin yeah. on the end. And um, But anyway, it was a great story of a young girl. It was just really compelling story mm-hmm. about this this young girl and what she talked about when she had her last treatment was how she was going to miss it it was it was such a big part of her life oh how interesting that she didn't know what she was going to do because she wasn't going to have that anymore mm-hmm. yeah autobiography of a face by lucy Greeley. yeah uh she asks because she was forced to live with this disfigurement that everybody could see Yes, yeah. You know, like, so her queries were really thought-provoking in the book. It's a very slender volume. It's yeah. Very, she was an award-winning poet, so she was a very good writer. But I, I, it's something that stuck with me also that was really profound was how do you know you are who you're supposed to be? Or it was some variation mm. of that. It was like, are you, what is your identity if it's not tied to how you look? You know yeah. what I mean? And definitely it's something that... Um, not a lot of us can relate to is that if you're in the world with something that is going to draw attention to you that it's going to people are going to form an opinion about you immediately by looking at you you know yeah. what I mean but yeah so I was like the truth of who we are the truth of who we are so the rare book then that can get you thinking about who you are you know yeah. if you're being if you are authentically who you're supposed to be yourself, yeah. you know. And as as a writer and as an artist, I'm always questioning my voice, right? Oh yeah, I don't I know. Think Do you is. as well? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that's it's it's not a fixed thing. It's yeah. a thing that you know, like you were saying about Amy about figuring out who you are now. Yes. You know who you were ten years ago or twenty years ago in your work and the voice that you had yeah. is not the same. You know, it's not I a know. static thing. I know. And trying to identify. It's funny and it's so far from what it was that Lucy Greeley went through, but aging too when oh, you look yeah. in the mirror and you look at yourself and go that is not who i am <laughs> i don't have these wrinkles right and bags yeah. under my well, eyes well it's so interesting right? because the, the podcast i recorded uh with a couple of people the other night which will air before this one um i was just editing and uh we were talking about anne of green gables and having read and, and been influenced by anne of green gables as young girls which we all were and then the realization that hit us all in the middle of the conversation that we are all the age of marilla cuthbert now mm-hmm. Right. You know, we're much more Marilla than we are <laughs> Anne because, you know, she yeah. we think of her as this old lady, but she was 55 right. in, the, in the story. So, I know. Uh, I you know, know, yeah, the aging is, is another thing that changes your whole definition and perception of who yeah. you are. Yeah. I know. And you really want to, like, for me, I really want to know, I really want to get to who I am now, right? Yeah. But I don't know who it is yet. <laughs> And I don't know if you ever do know or if it's just, yeah. and I, I think part of, of making art, whether it's, you know, writing or theater or visual art is, is just the whole process of figuring that out to some yeah. extent. What you know. it's all about. Yeah. Right? And who you are and what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. And the fear of not having anything to say. <laughs> there is that too. Yeah. Yeah. How relevant are we? Yeah. As women of a certain age. So I do tend to gravitate to books um, of, by women of, of, our my, age. of our age or yeah. older, yeah, um, more so because I feel that the stories of the younger women, and maybe rightly or wrongly, I no longer relate to. Mm. Yeah. Um, which. Yeah, interesting. I just read, uh, and I don't know, it's because I was up visiting Bristol. It might even be her book, but it was Maya Angelou's letter to my daughter. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. you know I, that 
concept of, and I have two daughters and watching uh-huh. them, and I feel like I'm supposed to be year age. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to hang around with them and wear yes, their clothes, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, that, it, it's, that was a beautiful book, too. Because she just told her story, right? Mm. And uh, she has quite a story. Oh, she does, yeah. 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 I've read a uh, I've read, well, I guess I've read, I don't know, why the caged birds sing. Mm-hmm. I've read a couple of things. Right, there, yeah. Yeah, I haven't read that one. Right, but. yeah. Yeah, when we were, uh, I was on a retreat one time um, with uh, a bunch of business women, and, uh-huh. uh, and we were out at um, Fisher's Loft, and one of the exercises we did was write a letter to ourselves. Oh, yeah. Uh, from, like, when we were, if we were 80 years old, what would we say to ourselves now? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it was an interesting thing. What did you yeah. say to yourself? Um, not to be, not to be scared. You know, the fear of what am I supposed to be doing mm, yeah. or am I doing, I don't know. I, I don't feel it so much now that I'm not working and I've been doing yoga for three years. So I'm kind of, I'm learning to settle into the moment right, as opposed yeah. to always worrying about if the bills are going to get paid uh-huh. or if, you know, like all those things that all through my life, it's been, you know, worry about the money and worry is it going to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like the yeah. realities yeah. of, am I going to get there wherever I'm going? Yes, I don't know. Yeah. Right. But I feel more like I, this is another thing that I think too, with yoga is so opposite to like, I was raised a Catholic. I didn't always go to church or anything mm-hmm. like that, but I was, I came, my mother was Catholic. My father was Anglican, but we were raised as Catholics mm-hmm. and you're always being told that you're a sinner, that you're, yes, uh, you know, yeah. you're t- meant sin. to feel yeah. guilty about everything. And mm-hmm. and yoga has helped me not to feel that way, that yeah. it's okay, that I'm not that bad a person. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? Yeah. So so that's made me a little bit more settled, too, I think. That's right? That radical acceptance of yourself. That's interesting, that, that exercise about the letter, because I've done... Um, a similar one, but where you write a letter from yourself now to your younger self. Yes. Like what you wish yeah. you could go back and tell your younger self. Right. So what did you say? I told my younger self that a lot of the things I was worried about were not really worth worrying about. Yeah. Right? You know, when, yeah. when it, things would work out, basically. Maybe not in the way you hope they're going to. But they will work out, and ultimately, it will it will be good. And I guess that's hopefully what my future self would well, tell me. I think me so. Too, but, I think. It, yeah. What What do you yeah. think you would tell yourself, Bernie? Well, I have a line in one of my shows that says, you know, uh, in ten years from now, you're going to look at a picture of yourself from today and marvel at how young and beautiful you were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I always say we need to marvel now because yes. no matter how old we are now we all want to live another 10 years yeah so or I, think, more. I think i would or more yeah. i think i would remind myself of that and i love that and i think robert chafe posted this on i think i read it on facebook or somebody posted it to him that you know as we hit our middle ages and for definitely you know heading into what we might call the the third act yes. the whatever chapter this is is that if we are healthy enough and well enough we really get to be almost like a teenager over again except you get to know what you didn't know then uh-huh. yeah you know because you're still active you can still regenerate and rejuvenate mm-hmm. and so i'm trying to approach 
my 50s like that. Yes. Because when I was a teenager, I was so frightened and nervous all the time. Uh Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, hey? Uh, Another exercise that we did, and Bernie and I both did it, we went to a yoga retreat in Italy, and uh, our teacher... I saw your picture. (laughs) I really want to get... I love my job, but I really want to get free of teaching so I can do some of those. Right. Because that that, that would be an easy Yeah, we recommend it for sure. But uh, our teacher had us... the, The last evening we were there, we wrote a letter to ourselves mm-hmm. about whatever we wanted to say, I guess. Right. Was there an intention mentioned? But but mm-hmm. we all wrote a letter to ourselves, mm-hmm. and she took them all. We put them in an envelope addressed to ourselves, uh-huh. and she mailed them to us like a year later oh, that's to neat. see yes. if we, you know, and it was yeah. interesting because the... It was true. It came true. Like, mm-hmm. what you? What are your hopes? I guess. Yeah. And and uh, so you know, if you if you, I know we're off the topic of books. That's now, okay. But it's, we'll it's get back to it. Writing, reading, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, your intention, and if you put it like. We just all got to stop worrying, right? <laughs> Which is much easier said than Yes, that. totally, totally. I think that uh, Farron is one of my favorite singers, and uh, in uh, her iconic song, Girl on a Road, she has this line, and it says, I just want to turn beautiful and serve eternity. And uh, I really relate to that because I feel, uh, and I do this a lot through reading and through my writing, mm-hmm. is to find the beauty of what my intention is every day, mm-hmm. uh, which is just basically, I try to be grateful I woke up alive. Yes, Because uh, sure. I was saying to a cab driver yesterday, waking up dead would be a real drag. <laughs> 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 um, but the intention, like when I read a book, I feel I do hold eternity in my hands. You know, mm-hmm. I feel something is going to last way beyond me, way beyond that I ever will. But perhaps something I've written will turn up somewhere a hundred years from now. You know what I mean? That someone will say, it's on my bookshelf and it's never coming off. You know, that's the the privilege of being a writer and the privilege of being able to read and to be able to have a book like because Amy and I often talk about it's an accident of birth where we end up on this planet for sure yeah. Yeah. in the universe and in so many war-torn countries where people are struggling just to live yeah. you know what would reading a book mean in mm-hmm. Syria or exactly. any of these places so it's a lot to be grateful for oh for sure yeah and, and um um, you know, I just always think that these, uh, and I'm like you, like I like, sometimes I can't carry around 20 books with me. Yes. So I have a little Kobo, yeah. but then the, the page, the paper, the smell, mm. all of these things. Like the, the books that like, I really love, I still want to have hard copies of, you know, right. some of them are just ephemeral experiences mm. and you read it and that was great. But the ones that you want to come back to over and over, I like yeah. to have on the bookshelf. Yeah. yeah. They're precious. Yeah. We're getting close to the end of our time Thank and you. this has been great. Is there any, was there any book anyone wanted to talk about or mention mm. that we didn't get to? Um, there is one that I read recently, and it's called Saturday. It's Ian McEwan's book. Oh, yes. Are you yeah. familiar I've with it? I've heard of it. Haven't read it, but Yeah, it. it's funny because years ago, I remember, I know Noreen Golfman was on the radio. They did an interview. I don't know who else was on that panel, but they discussed this book. Mm-hmm. And I went out and got it, and I've only just recently read it. And it takes place in one day. 
day, but it's mm-hmm. a full novel, and uh, it was it was great. It was a good book to read. It was fun. It was about this doctor who, you know, and about his family gets up this ordinary Saturday. His daughter and son are coming for dinner, and mm-hmm. there's a great recipe in it on page 171. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. For a fish stew. Um, but anyway, that's one. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah, I thought that was great good. Yeah. yeah, Alistair MacLeod, No Great Mischief, oh, was a great yes. book, too. Yeah. See, that's another, it's not Newfoundland, but it's, you know, it's the Cape image Brighton. from that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the image from that was when they when the light disappeared on the mm. ice, when yes. they were crossing the ice, and he he's looking, he's going, oh, no, there's something wrong. The light is gone. The light is gone. They had gone under the ice yes. right that was a really vivid image from that book i love and his writing yeah mm. yeah yeah it's great uh, i think the only thing i want to say is thank you for this podcast because oh, it's so fantastic yeah. and i want to say that uh for anybody having any trepidation about books like i have my reverence for books is all in my head but people would consider me terrible because I I read them in the bath. I drop them in the bath. <laughs> I, I'm a turn down. I turn down pages. I used to. My husband broke me of the habit, Sometimes but I really used to dog ear pages. It I really dog ear. Yeah. There's food and ketchup and wine spilled in all of my books, so it's like just. But to me, know, that's a sign they've been read and loved. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. I that's mangle great. them to bits, which is generally how I show my love. <laughs> Well, you treat them like they're a part of your life. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And it was so nice hearing what Amy's been reading and, and what yeah. you've been reading, too. It's and nice great. to meet you. Thank it you. Is. Thank um, you so much for coming. It didn't hurt at all. It was, it was totally painless. <laughs> Thank you so much, ladies. Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me for my conversation with Bernie Stapleton and Amy House. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed talking. Tune in again in a couple of weeks when I'll have some more guests here for Shelter Steam. It's just like book club, except you have to bring your own snacks. And in the meantime, I hope that you'll read some good books and build your own shelf esteem.